Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and we are officially back in 2021. And we are back with a new family. We are now part of the CLNS Media family. Super exciting. They've brought us on, and I'm really happy to be finally back doing this. Early 2021 has been a journey. I feel like, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but there's something about the first half of this year that's almost been even crazier than 2020 in some ways, you know, personally, at least because you're readjusting to life. You're trying to get back to something normal while you're still trying to make sure that you're healthy, that your family's healthy, figuring out vaccinations, figuring out how to make, you know, new plans and what you can and can't plan for. And, and then, you know, re, some people are readjusting to the workplace and there's all these things. And to be quite honest, almost shameless had to take a back burner, but we are a hundred percent back and yeah, we're, we're going to be part of, part of a new family of uh, really awesome media people in Boston. So I'm going to be representing the hometown of course, but from Los Angeles. So, you know, the, guys, this is the best of both worlds, right? Anyways, I'm super happy to be back. Let's just get into it. That stuff coming up. The start of the new Celtics era has begun. Brad Stevens making his first head coach hire now that he is in his front office role, taken over for Danny Ainge. And he has hired now former Nets assistant Ime Odoka as the Celtics next head coach. Now, I didn't know a ton about him heading into this news. I've learned a little bit over the last couple of hours, and I like what I see. Doesn't hurt that he's married to a super hot, famous actress. He's married to Nia Long. She started out on my screen as Will's girlfriend on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, had a huge kind of like crush on her. She was awesome. I always thought she was so cool. And yeah. She's, she's the first lady of the Celtics now, and I'm thrilled. I'm truly thrilled, but honestly, getting back to the actual basketball of it, I think that this hire has kind of like, from what I can tell on Twitter, it's kind of jazzed the Celtics fans up a little bit. It seems like Brad went and got the guy he really wanted Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus smart have worked with him a bit on team USA. So they were reportedly really integral to the Celtics deciding on him as a coach, they support the decision. Everybody says he's a great, you know, kind of team chemistry guy. He was really intense on the court, but also one, a really respected, you know, teammate and player. And he seems to have brought that energy as a coach as well. Coached with Popovich in the Spurs for a long time, huge plus everyone from the Spurs gets some play. You got to do it. It's just like Bella check assistance. Anybody who's ever worked with Greg Popovich, they get their chance in the spotlight and, uh, and this is about time. So I'm excited about that. He's not super young, but he's also kind of young enough to be in touch with the players. And, you know, it's awesome to see a coach of color, you know, back in, back in Boston. I think it's important to keep focusing on diversifying all of these spaces as much as possible, especially in the NBA. And it wasn't, it's not just a diversity hire. The guy clearly is the best guy for the job. And that's the most important part. I think though, some people were a bit confused about the history of the Celtics and their coaches. 
because uh, internet's very own favorite Jay Williams, he's, he found himself in a bit of a Twitter controversy, a controversy for those of you who want to be fancy. Let me, let me pull up the tweet just to read it to you. I don't want to mess up this, uh, the brilliance of this. Uh, okay. Jay Williams upon Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, report that they had finalized with Adoka. He tweeted the first head coach of color for the Celtics. And even more importantly, he has one talented individual who paid his dues. The second end of that, totally true. Talented individual paid his due. First part, not so much. I don't like piling on to people who make mistakes on Twitter. I think that we all do it. I do it. It's so embarrassing when you tweet something wrong. You tweet the wrong stat. You have a brain fart and you forget about stuff. But if you're covering basketball and you forget that, that the Celtics have had not one, not two, not three, but several black coaches dating back to Bill Russell, who was the first, notably the first black coach in the history of the NBA. That's trouble. That's troublesome. You can't make that mistake. I think that there is a weird thing happening where there is all this conversation around Boston as a racist uh, city or a city more perhaps to better put it, a city that struggles with uh, racism in a way that is surprising to people when they come to a city from the Northeast. It's a progressive city. It's a city in a liberal state. And so I think that the racist encounters that people have there um, really shock them as they should. Uh, and they find it sort of out of place. Like this is a city that's three hours away from New York. This is a city that was the birthplace of the American Revolution and a city that was on the right side of the Civil War. And I think it's rightfully shocking that people experience the kind of racism that they do in a city like that. So that rightfully carries into the conversation about Boston, about the players there, the stories that they've shared, the experiences that they've had. However, <laughs> there has been some significant historical uh, moments with the Celtics and Black players. Red Auerbach, notably the first coach, making the Celtics the first team to have a starting five of entirely Black players. And we've talked about Bill Russell, Satch Sanders, Casey Jones, ML Carr, Doc Rivers. So not everybody has to know every all the history of every single team. That's insane. I think we do a lot of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking on Twitter and expecting people to know everything we know about our teams. However, it's sort of inexcusable that Jay Williams forgot about five former black head coaches. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't know why that, what the brain fart was there. Um, or if he was just trying to be first to say something sort of explosive or interesting or whatever. Uh, but I think as a media on Twitter, we have to do a better job myself included of not trying to be first, not trying to be most interesting, not trying to be the smartest and the funniest right off the bat, but making sure we're putting out genuine reactions, well-thought reactions as often as possible. So as to avoid this kind of stuff, because it's, it's truly weird. Like there's a lot of young kids out there who probably don't know the history of the Celtics and who have either experienced or heard about these racist experiences of players in Boston. And they deserve to be educated on exactly what those things are and why it actually is so hurtful to black players to experience that because the Celtics do have such a rich history as a team um, of 
promoting black players and black coaches. And so like part of that pain that people experience with that, with the team and with the city is that, you know, there is all of that tension, Bill Russell experiencing racism in a city where he was supposedly beloved on a team. He truly created a dynasty, you know, with that's part of the story. And it tells more, it gives more context about why these players feel the way they feel about the legacy in Boston. So get that stuff right. Let's get it right. You know, it's, this isn't about your social views or your politics. This is about getting it right and being honest and open about, about the facts and the, and the conversation going forward. Um, and I'm not saying he did made this mistake because he feels that Boston is racist. I think that it's just, it's a, uh, he got caught up in a moment where he kind of wanted to push for uh, a moment that just wasn't there. So, you know, getting back to the hire, I'm excited to see what happens. He seems really cool. He's good looking. You know, he has a good presence about him. Like I said, Hollywood wife trying to compete with the Lakers out here in Hollywood and all their glitz and glamour, but we have Nia Long now, uh, not the most hard hitting basketball analysis. You're going to get my colleagues at CLNS. They know so much more about the Celtics and the ins and outs of this hire and what it's going to mean going forward. But the main point and the most important point is that the stars on the team, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, um, they co-sign this hire. It makes me feel good about the fact that the Celtics seem to have a plan to keep those players in place, which is interesting. Um, I did not like any team in their situation wouldn't be getting rid of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, but Marcus smart. That's been out there. That's been considered. I know that he's like Brad Stevens favorite. So, you know, it's not super surprising that Brad wants to keep him, but I think him being involved potentially in conversations about the hire is a good sign that they plan to keep him around. I would still like to see them go get one more piece. So we'll see what they plan on doing. I mean, they have a lot of young players that they could package with picks to get someone over. Um, but I would have assumed that in order to get that like superstar um, or superstar adjacent type player, they would have to package Marcus Smart in there. So we will see what happens, but exciting news midweek, freshening, th freshening things up after a wild night last night for the Suns, like it really made me feel I've been watching a ton of the Suns because my husband is from Phoenix Suns fan. He always supports my teams. He's really into the Boston teams, specifically the Bruins. He went to a ton of hockey games when he used to live in Bristol, Connecticut and you know, the Red Sox, he's always supported all my teams. And it's been so cool to actually get to watch him be like, pumped on this run with the Suns, Like it's been really fun and seeing what Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton are doing without Chris Paul. It just, it's one of those things where it's like, this is the, this is the level. This is the next step that they need to take. The Celtics need to take, they need to get to a point. Um, I've had an ongoing argument with Chris, my husband about, you know, Devin Booker versus Jason Tatum and who's better. And, you know, just kind of going back and forth and it's certainly hard to argue that like Devin Booker hasn't taken that next step to really elevate himself as a teammate, if not just like a pure basketball player and, and as a leader. Um, and what they're doing is something that I think that the Celtics can put together with the right coach and the right leadership, because Monty Williams is, you know, he's one of the best coaches in the league. He's like truly some of the decisions he made in the game last night, calling the timeout and just like hit the way he commands, you know, the players and 
and the, their, his relationship with them and their respect for him is a big part of their success, I think. And so and on top of Chris Paul coming in, stepping in and bringing that veteran presence, that winning mentality. Uh, so I don't know, man, it's hard, hard not to get excited about maybe someone like that coming in and helping the Celtics take the next step that the Suns have taken because in a year and a half, they've just made insane strides. So we will see what happens there. That stuff coming up. Okay, more big news this week. Carl Nassib of the Raiders came out as gay, becoming the first active NFL player ever to come out and making history. And I have to say, this is an incredibly emotional thing for me. Um, not because I personally have any experience with coming out, but I have been waiting for this moment for a long time. And, you know, I was working in sports as a young person when Michael Sam came out prior to the NFL draft. And I saw the reaction to it. And I saw the way that people perceived the type of player that plays in the NFL and this idea that there aren't gay men in the NFL or that if that they, if there are, they can't and shouldn't come out because it would make other players uncomfortable. That was a conversation eight or nine years ago, whenever it was that Michael Sam came out, that was really prominent and not just among fans and not just in the media, but among people in the league as well, executives, other players, coaches, like that was a pervasive idea that still existed in the NFL at the time. And I don't know if it affected Michael Sam's career. It's hard to believe that it didn't, but I have to believe it. The reaction to it while it was a huge deal and it was uh, a major moment for LGBTQ plus people in the country to have someone brave enough to come forward. I think the reaction to it was probably really devastating to people um, because it just wasn't where it should have been. And I think this time around, we're seeing that Carl Nassib's bravery is being somewhat rewarded by the general public in a way that Michael Sam's wasn't. And that's inspiring to me. I've felt for a long time that the public needs to understand that there are a lot of gay pro athletes that are not out. That includes in the NFL. People have no idea how many players there really are in the league and in other leagues that aren't out. And the reaction this time around, I feel like is going to be a lot more encouraging for people. Um, he has gotten encouragement from the league itself. Um, he is not only donating to the Trevor project, but so is the NFL. So is Penn State's James Franklin. So are other people who have come out in support of him. It's been a totally different experience this time around to watch the reaction to Carl, to watch the reaction from players, to hear what people are saying behind the scenes. It's completely different. And because I'm not speaking from personal experience, I, I want to share some words from someone who actually has experienced this and who can give a better idea of what this is going to mean to young kids and other people in his situation, in Nassib's situation, and what his decision to share his life with people is going to mean. This is former NBA player, John Amici. He's now a, a psychologist and a consultant. He's a super, super smart guy, but he was a, a, an NBA player. And he made an appearance on Dan Lebetard's show to discuss the impact of Nassib coming out and what it means. And I'm going to play that for you. 
take a listen. All that something like this does sometimes is just stir all of the tensions that have been hidden uh, so that people can fight about something. They're not hidden. They're not hidden. This this young man is a, is a force for good. What he has done today, he there is a young person. There is a young person watching him right now who has walked to school lighter, even if they have disclosed nothing about themselves. They have walked to school with a greater sense of hope today because of this young man. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. As for stirring the pot, the pot is not stirred. My day is a cacophony of insults, racist abuse, homophobic abuse. That is my day. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is block 20 people who have said something reprehensible. There is nothing hidden about this. Misogyny is open, wide open. Sexism, wide open. Racism, wide open. Xenophobia, ignorance as a character trait, wide open. But today, an NFL player has made at least one child feel hope this is good i don't think i've heard anyone put it uh that beautifully and that heartbreakingly it's those are simultaneously really difficult words to hear and really inspiring words to hear and i know that for a lot of people it's easy to think that the outpouring of support and love for someone like carl in this situation is a sign that everyone's moved on. There is no more homophobia or it's only in isolated places where you would expect it to be. Um, I think it's easy when you live on in big cities or on the coast or whatever, where things tend to be a little bit more progressive that we've made these massive, massive strides. And like I said, we really have, at least in the media and in sports, but representation to young kids and to the parents of young kids who aren't open-minded or who are homophobic or whatever are like, that is, that's the driver of change in society. The driver of change in society is when people with a platform and people from unexpected places speak out. And it is not easy. This man is, hasn't played professional sports in a long time, but his openness with his sexuality, um, still haunts him. I mean, this is an, a, an accomplished man who has so much about his personality that is, has nothing to do with his sexuality and he faces homophobia every day. He's blocking people on Twitter every day still now. And he's right about the fact that there is an ignorance that sort of pervades all of these topics. Um, anyone who is a minority uh, in this, especially in the social media spaces. So far as we have come, there is still so much so far to go. And there are still so many kids who don't make it out of childhood because they are, they do not feel accepted or they are bullied or feel hate or feel shame or are not taught self-love because of who they are. And, you know, there's something about the American culture where it's like, as soon as we make a little bit of progress, over the course of a couple of decades, we want to declare a problem solved, right? It's like, well, it's so much better than it was in the eighties and nineties. Look at how everything is now. And while that is true, while we have made progress, you do not solve decades, centuries, millennia of 
hatred and bigotry and prejudice and phobia in the course of 20 years or 30 years. This is going to take a long time and it will, and we can shorten that span of time if we acknowledge the fact that coming far from where we were is not the same as being where we're supposed to be. It's not the same as actual equality. It's not the same as actual, um, you know, justice and acceptance completely. And anybody who is living in this world as a member of the LGBTQ plus community who is, doesn't feel fully accepted when they walk out the door, that's a failure on our part. And it means we are not close to where we need to be. And uh, I, I just want Carl Nassib and the others in the league who have expressed themselves for who they are to not just be lauded for their bravery at some point, hopefully, maybe I'll live to see it. People will no longer have to be brave to come out. People will no longer be breaking glass ceilings. We will no longer have the first gay man, the first gay woman, the first woman, the first black woman, the first woman of color, the first Latino woman, the first Asian woman, the first anything. We should not be having this many firsts. And so let's celebrate the fact that we've come this far and also feel that level of responsibility to say, okay, this is a reminder that we are not as close to where we want to be as some of us might like to think. So thank you, Carl Nassib, for coming out, for sharing yourself, for bringing awareness to the Trevor Project. And let's continue to uh, support people as they remind us that the world isn't quite where we want it to be and our country isn't quite where we want it to be. And uh, be okay with that and not take it personally because taking other people's pain personally is a huge problem. And I don't think it gets us anywhere. Shall we? Okay. And I mean, there's been a couple heavy topics today. Uh, I was originally going to do some thoughts on Mac Jones versus Cam Newton, because I know you guys want to hear it. I know that's what you're waiting for. I just know it. However, I think I'm going to wait to give you my Mac Jones. I think I'm going to give you a full podcast or at least a half a podcast on that topic uh, specifically on its own. I'd like to have a guest on to give me a little bit of a debate to hit me with the back and forth rather than just have it me, me solo. So you can anticipate the big Mac Jones versus Cam Newton pod uh, pre-training camp. Um, that's a plan. However, that does not mean I'm going to leave you entirely without a Patriots take. Okay. Before we get into Cam Newton and, and Mac Jones, before we get into all of that in an upcoming podcast, I am here to tell you that everything you think you know about how the Patriot season is going to go this season is probably wrong. I got a nice little taste of what Boston media is looking like these days when it came home in April to do the rate sports radio. Uh, it's not good. It's uh, it's sarcastic and weird. It's condescending. It's uh negative. And while I can be all those things as well, admittedly and proudly, 
there is this very weird idea that uh, unless can't Mac Jones, I don't know, becomes the next Tom Brady, they're screwed. Let me be clear. The greatest coach of all time has a bone to pick. He is, has a plan in place. He doesn't want to be embarrassed in that division. He sees what the bills are because he's not stupid. He sees the potential of the dolphins because let's face it. He gave them their coach. There's no doubt in my mind that if this team is capable of anything, Bill Belichick is going to get them to do it. And I truly don't think people understand how impressive it is that he went seven and nine last year and how close they were to eight or eight, eight and eight or nine and seven. I don't think people realize that. And I'm not going to tell you to go back and watch everything. And I'm not going to sit here and explain to you why I think that you either agree with me or you don't, uh, you all, you know, you've seen, you've probably seen all my tweets, the insane amount of opt-outs, the COVID interruptions, Cam Newton, not having an off season coming off of an injury, all of the things, all of the adversity they were faced with Tom Brady leaves, goes to another team, goes to a super bowl, blah, blah, blah. For Belichick to go seven and nine with the team he had last year, I genuinely, truly, from the bottom of my heart, believe that any other coach in the league, bar maybe a couple, would have max been able to draw three to four wins out of that team. I genuinely believe that. Now, you can say that it's Belichick's fault that he had that team to begin with, but I think in some ways, Belichick was going to have to deal with what he could deal with last season based on the way the contracts were and based on the fact that Tom Brady was leaving. Like he knew he wasn't going to build a Super Bowl team the year after Tom Brady left. So he worked with what he had to work with and now he's retooled. And I just, excuse me, pardon me for thinking that maybe the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL has a plan. Maybe can coach someone not named Tom Brady. Maybe the guy who went 11 and five with Matt Castle. Maybe the guy who went three and one while Tom Brady was on his little European vacation that we will not talk about for four weeks at the start of 2016. Maybe the greatest head coach of all time isn't taking anything laying down. I'm not here to tell you to be super excited about the return of Matt Patricia. I don't know what that's about. As long as the man does not have a headset on the sideline, whatever, I guess. I don't care. I don't, whatever. But like, (laughs) at some point, Tom Brady was going to be gone. And the Patriots still have Bill Belichick. We still get to have Bill Belichick coaching our favorite team. Let's not waste our time being absolutely mortified at every small little thing we disagree with and getting mad before we have to get mad about something. You know, I'm going to continue some of this rant in the Mac versus Cam conversation that I do have, but it's important that like, as sports fans in Boston, that you understand that you're being lied to in a lot of ways about what this team's capabilities are. And not just that, but about how you should, how you should be thinking about this. Tom Brady was going to leave. I don't care who tells you he wasn't. Please believe me when I tell you Tom Brady was always going to leave. 
He wanted to go to another team and see what he could do. It was the one thing Peyton Manning had done that he hadn't. He was always going to leave. I don't know what he said to the Patriots. I don't know what he said to Bill Belichick. I've heard a few things. I have been told that Brady essentially didn't get any communication and that he was basically ousted, whatever. His his house was on the market long before he would have had to make that decision. So I'm not sure how much I believe that, but let's, let's just look at it for what it is. He went to a fully stacked Buccaneers team, entertained all different teams in the off season. As soon as he got to Tampa, it was like he had never been in warm weather before. He acted like a kid in a candy store. All he could talk about was how amazing it was to not be in the crappy weather. The guy wanted out. He was done. He wanted to go and win another ring in another place so that he had the final trump card over Peyton Manning. And it's not that hard to figure out. So the guy who's still in New England, the head coach, the other guy, the guy, other guy with eight rings, the guy who took this team to nine Super Bowls with Brady, he's still in New England. He's the guy who stayed. He's still there. Stop being salty about Brady. Stop whining and crying. You have the greatest head coach of all time still as the head coach of your team. He just spent gajillions of dollars to improve this team. He has a plan in place. He's one of the more brilliant minds to ever coach a team sport. Enjoy football. Enjoy it. Watch training camp unfold. Be excited. Stop just for, I'm not saying you can't be critical. And I'm not saying that there aren't things to like objectively look at and say, wow, I don't really know what this is about or whatever else, but the overarching sense of doom because the bills won the division last year and they're good and whatever else like great. You know what the, everybody's been whining about how the AFC was so easy for so long, which again has been disproven, but whatever the bills are great. The dolphins are probably going to be a lot better this year. The dolphins are starting at quarterback, potentially the guy who took the job from Mac Jones could be interesting. This is going to be fun. This is good. And like I said, some of this is going to be saved for next time, but if Cam Newton's the the quarterback of this team, shut the fuck up and root for him. You goddamn maniacs. Okay. I'm going to leave that for you for now. We will be back. I will have a full Cam Newton versus Mac Jones conversation. We'll do all of it. I will have a guest. We're going to get into all of it. In the meantime, thank you for joining me. I'm excited to be back. We're kicking off summer here, guys. So let's, let's not wish summer away. I'm really excited for football season as much as you guys are, but let's not wish summer away. I think we're going to have a really interesting rest of the NBA finals. Uh, hop on the Suns bandwagon if you'd like. It's really fun. I can. I can speak from personal experience. Great, great time being on that bandwagon. So get on it with me. Uh, I challenge you not to fall in love with DeAndre Ayton. He's truly amazing. And yeah, let's, uh, let's enjoy the summer. Let's get on boats. Let's get in backyard barbecues. Let's get our vaccines and be safe. And as we prepare for NFL season and beyond, I'll be here with you. Thank you for being back with me. I'm so excited. And I will talk to you guys soon. Have an amazing rest of your week and your weekend. Bye.